The following is a message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. More information about Parkview is available at www.parkviewchurch.org. Good morning. Welcome to Parkview. I'm Doug, one of the pastors here, and I'm really glad that you're here with us today. If you're new, I would love to meet you. I hope to be in the foyer between services. It'd be great to meet you and get you connected here at Parkview in any way. So uh, it's a great privilege to introduce our speaker today. Uh, This is Andy Campman. This is his wife, Jamie. Andy was on staff here at Parkview for seven years, worked with our college ministry, and then stepped into our global workers ministry. Um, When I heard that Andy was able to speak to us, I was sitting in here last week realizing how many of you have never met Andy. Uh, as this church tends to turn over and people graduate and move on. But Andy has had an amazing influence in my life and in the life of this church. Um, Andy and Jamie both, their love for Jesus, their passion for people that don't know Jesus, their passion for God's word, their love for people. And between services, he's out, they're out hugging and talking to people and all of this. So they clearly have made a big impact here. And just wanted to give these guys a quick chance to update us on where they are and what they're doing now. So why don't you take over and talk a little bit about yeah. that? That'd be yeah. great. Uh, yeah, so it was, it was one of the hardest decisions we made. Uh, this, this church really feels like uh, family to us. And, uh, but we, we, man, it's been so fun for us to be back here in Iowa City. It's just like a big like homecoming and really love uh, a lot of you and you have been a part of our lives. But uh, we, we really sense that God was continuing to lead us to Put all of our um, full-time efforts into mobilization, and um, uh, and and when I say mobilization, that's a a big five-dollar word for you know helping people that want to go to the nations, uh, go to the unreached people specifically, um, to uh, to live there and learn the language and culture and proclaim the good news of Jesus. And so, um, unreached, real quick, by the way, uh, would just be a a a way to talk about people who don't have a witness uh, among them. So there's nobody that knows the gospel in their language or culture that makes sense. So apart from a dream or vision from God, they're not, they're going to go through their whole lives and not, not hear the gospel. Um, so, um, so we, so we, um, when we stepped out of Parkview, we had this background in college ministry and we kept meeting, uh, recent college graduates who wanted to jump into these, um, you know, peoples among the world and yet didn't have a way to connect. And so we said, what if we started a, an organization that would actually help connect the two kind of that we joked and called it the e-harmony of the missions world. And, uh, and we'll help you hook up with global opportunities. And, but what we found along the way was that, um, the people that we were sending them, a lot of them really didn't know how to make disciples, not in the older, wiser believer meets with younger, not so wise believer, but in the sense of, of seeing somebody that's not in the kingdom come into the kingdom. And yet that was the very thing, right, that we were sending them across the world to do. And so we said, we personally, Jamie and I, we need to figure that out. And then we need to figure that out with them. And they need to do a season of their lives making disciples here in Iowa City and now in Austin, um, before they go and do that there. And so um, that's, that's what we've gotten to, to do in the last eight, nine years. That's awesome. So they have four children. I think we have a slide circling around that'll pop up there too. Yeah. And then why don't you just give us an update on just an answered prayer in the last years in Austin. Yeah, so. yeah. So there's uh, Josiah and Abigail. Some of you guys remember those twins that we hold up on, on Father's Day. There they are big. Um, and that's how our, our family usually is, but Jamie and I's faces don't look like that. Um, uh, but Anna's six, and then, and then Jamin is, is three. And, um, and, uh, but yeah, the, the Lord um, just allows us, the bread and butter of what we do um, is, is uh, have about 10 or 12 people that are thinking about moving, 
moving to the nations, have them move into the community, and then we just try to model it, and we'll talk about this in, in today's sermon, um, but um, really model for them, and one of the, the best pictures of that is Lindy, who actually grew up um, small town, um, worked as a dental assistant, grew up in the church, knew a lot of the right answers, but pretty timid, kind of soft-spoken, and you know, like not praying out loud was even kind of a challenge in a group of people, but we just began to do those things, sharing our faith, talking about Jesus, praying regularly, and within two months, what was amazing is here's a mom of a one-year-old, and so moms, you do have a role, amen? Um, and uh, I know it's not a Baptist church. Austin Stone's a Baptist church, so people can say amen. So if you want to be Baptist this morning and say amen, um, you can, um, and, uh, but uh, see this mom of, of uh, um, realize that she has a part in the game, and within two months, she's in two different Discovery Bible studies with four Taiwanese women in one, and, and anywhere from three to six um, people with Jamie doing a workout class, just like we used to do um, on Westwinds, um, and proclaiming the gospel. Um, and so this mom has just done a complete flip um, in, in how she sees herself a part of what her and her husband are going to go to the Middle East to do um, long term. So it's stuff like that, stories like that, that we are, are giving our lives to. So um, let me pray. Andy's going to bring the word to us this morning. We're in our series of New Testament characters, Portraits of Faith. Today's Matthew, and a lot of Matthew's heart for lost people, you're going to clearly see in Andy and Jamie's heart too. So afterwards, they'll be out there. There's a little kiosk. You could sign up to be part of their prayer team, uh, interact with them some, but very excited they're here uh, to share with us. Let me pray, and then we'll go for it. So yeah, Lord, thank you so much for the things that you have done through Andy and Jamie in my life personally. I know I'm a different man because we got to serve together. I know this is a different church because Andy served here and used his gifts faithfully. And I thank you for how you're using him in Austin, God, and just stories of, of families being, being sent and equipped to go to the nations. Thank you for how you've just been blowing the numbers away of what Andy was hoping to see happen and what you've done and instead has been far greater. So we thank you for that. So give Andy clarity this morning as he speaks to us. I pray that we as a church would listen and then put to practice the things that are in your word. So may you do a work in our lives as Andy shares the word with us now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Let's give them a round of applause. Just thanking them for being with us. Some of you guys remember um, when we were up here for that Father's Day, um, I, I just, Jamie was walking off with two babies in her arms, you know, and I said, pray for my wife, and uh, she's, she's a great um, woman of God, really thankful for her. Couldn't do what we do without um, my wife and, and, and really without you all. Um, and uh, just, you know, the last few weeks, you guys have been learning um, about joining God in what he's doing, joining him, and, and the fact that God is inviting all of us to be a part of his story. It's his story, amen? And so all the works, all the moms, all the people that get sent to the nations, all the good things that happen to our lives, that's his story, and we get to be a part of his story. And, um, and so um, Psalm 127, one of my favorite verses, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders build in vain. And so all the things that we do and get to see and all the stories you're going to get to hear about, that's not any credit or glory to us. That's credit to God and what he has been doing and will continue to do with or without us. And, and 
and he's the one doing the work. And so God invites us to be a part of um, his story. And it was fun for me to think back on all the years that we got to spend in Iowa City with this church and look at all the different ways that God um, used this church and, and, and called us into what he was doing through this church. And so I was just thinking about a few of those things, just tell you a couple stories, reminisce, go down memory lane, right, together. And uh, like 16 years ago, I went to that other nasty school that we don't say, you know, in this city. And, um, and I'm a senior and I'm just crying out, God, please, please, please let me be used by you. I, wanted, I want to be used by you. And through my brother, get connected with this guy named Jesse Bradley, you know, who was the college pastor a couple times ago and, uh, and came to, to Iowa City. Um, and uh, for that first sermon, we were still meeting in the chapel. Some of you guys remember when we used to hold services in the chapel. And, and Jeff Gilmore, his sermon that Sunday was on the will of God for your life. And I was just like, Lord, this is where I'm supposed to be. And so Jesse and I went on an interview, which means we went and ate a burrito at Poncheros, you know, and by the end, we're both, you know, talking loud and slapping hands, and, you know, that was our interview, so that was fun, uh, just to get to be a part of that. I remember, um, I remember Tom, Tom Sunblad, who I think is watching. Hi, Tommy. Good to see you. Love you, buddy. Um, and uh, Tom and Mary Sunblad, who just let me use all their stuff all the time, and half the time I wouldn't even ask. I don't even know all the times, that they, if they know all the times that we use their house, their shop, their truck, their pool, their bikes, I mean, all their, and just really joining God and, and, and really seeing somebody be open-handed uh, with, their, with their things. Um, I remember um, Doug Schoenger taking us, joining God and what he was doing in Ukraine. Um, Doug marries us, and two months later, um, we're in Ukraine with Doug and seeing dozens of high school kids give their lives to Christ. Even saw this miracle, this drunk guy sober up and give his life to Jesus, um, and that was uh, a big one in our lives. I remember um, Jamie being pregnant with our first son, Simeon, and then being out in Colorado with 40 um, uh, college students, and then Jamie's water breaking, and Simeon being born and dying out in Colorado, and then um, by God's great, great grace, a year and a half later, standing right here here with two babies in my hands. Um, Josiah and Abigail, I think the moms were a little nervous, but they were little, you know. Um, uh, uh, and uh, just saying, look at what God did. Y'all prayed with us, and look what God did, you know. And uh, yeah. remember uh, sitting in Jeff's office. Jeff's like a a dad uh, to us and uh, sitting in Jeff's office and through tears like this, <laughs> uh, just saying, Jeff, I think God's leading us to start this um, mobilization organization and just so grateful for you and this church and how you have empowered us and let us do all these crazy things and put up with us. I remember, <laughs> I remember Jesse and I one time, we just took a eight foot Christmas tree and stuck it in Steve Ratchke's office. <laughs> and then he, and we didn't know he had a counseling appointment at 7 a.m. the next morning. So there's sap everywhere. And, um, <laughs> and sorry, Steve-o. And, um, and uh, you know, just they put up with us and yet God, uh, he allowed us to be a part of what he was doing through the this church, and, and, um, and he's still using this church in a powerful way in the city and, and among the nations, he's, he's, um, and he's calling us into what he's doing, and, and it's true for Jamie and I, it's true for this church. Um, you've been learning about the last two weeks, what God did in, in Joseph's life, and then what God did in, in, in Mary's life, and how he invited them to be a part of his story through their character and service and humility, and it's true for Matthew, and that's who we're going to talk about today, is Matthew 
in the passage we'll read. You can open your Bible to Mark chapter 2, Mark chapter 2, and it calls him Levi here, but Matthew and Levi are the same guy, um, both tax, he's a tax collector, and so we're going to read about what God uh, is doing in Matthew's life. So here we'll start in, in chapter 2, verse 13. It says that he, Jesus, went out beside the sea. This is right after he healed the paralytic. And the crowd was coming to him, and he was teaching them. Jesus was teaching them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, that's Matthew, Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he rose, Matthew rose, and followed Jesus. And as he reclined at, at, at table in his house, at Matthew's house, many tax collectors and sinners were reclining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many who followed Jesus. And the scribes of the Pharisees, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. But the sinners. Three things today, that three ways that, that God called Matthew to join him in his story. And God is calling you this morning, whether you know it or not, whether this is just normal routine or it's your first time visiting, God is going to call us this morning to follow him. Um, just because that's, that's what he does. We'll see it from the text here in a second. So three ways. The first thing that God calls, um, uh, that Jesus calls Matthew to is this. Matthew left everything to follow Jesus. Matthew left everything. You look at the version, this uh, story is in three of the Gospels, all but the one of the book of John. And in the, the Luke version, in Luke 5.28, it says, and he, and leaving everything, he, Matthew, rose and followed him. And leaving everything... He rose and followed him. So what does it mean to follow Jesus, right? We hear that term. You grew up in Sunday school world or in church world. You've heard that term. A couple things. I think it, number one, it means leaving things of a lesser value. Leaving things of lesser value. And then number two, it means following Jesus continually. And these aren't like blow your hair back, but, but I wonder what it, what it looks like in our minds. Uh, Matthew was a tax collector. His career was taking money from other Jews and, and then skimming. He'd usually add a little bit, and there was nothing they could do about it. And so he'd pat his own pockets, probably lived on the nice place on the golf course, right, just outside of Jerusalem. And, um, and, and, and people didn't like him. But, but being a tax collector wasn't a real, other than the other tax collectors, there wasn't a lot of other people that they were friends with, right? So Matthew very much likely found a lot of his identity and security in what he did. That's not relevant to anybody in here, right? Identity and security in what you do. Identity and security. And Matthew, what does it say? He left everything, including his identity and his security, and began to follow Jesus. He began to follow Jesus. I, I think about Adam, who was in our group um, last year, and you'll, you'll see a picture of our group from this year in just a little bit, but 
Adam was in our group last year, and, uh, and Adam, uh, D1 football player, played at Virginia, um, uh, very successful in sales, was a part of a national company, moved all across the United States, um, got married, still very successful, living like the ideal Austin lifestyle, okay? He lived two blocks off, kind of, there's, there's a lot of great eating places and live music places, but there's one that Austin is really known for, South Congress, and they lived two blocks off of this, um, off of it in this total hipster house that you'd see in a magazine. I mean, they just have the ideal uh, Austin life. And I meet uh, Adam in the, in the lobby, and long story short, he says he wants to go to the nations. And so I say, Adam, why don't you come and be a part of our group? But, but if you do, you're going to have to be, um, you're going to have to move from your sweet pad into a, a, a kind of a dingy little two-bedroom apartment behind our house in the international part of town. And he's like, oh, uh, you know, wasn't so sure. But he did. Long story short, he did. And here's what he said. He said this multiple times throughout the year. He said the things that, that he and Laura, the things that I was pursuing and even praying for changed drastically because we are following Jesus more fully. I mean, who, who doesn't want that, Amen that the things that we're pursuing and even praying for could begin to change because of how we're following Jesus. And there weren't bad things, friends. There are things that most of us are going after. Building a family. They'd only been married four, four years. They were trying to have kids, continuing to find job security, do a good job at work, making their house a little bit nicer and then a little bit nicer and a little bit nicer, right? And, 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 and fun vacations, figuring out how they could do great Austin things with their Christian friends. There weren't bad things, but they also weren't the best thing. See, friends, Jesus was never meant to be an accessory in our life. Amen? He wasn't meant to be a part of our life. He's meant to be our life. It's different. See, for most of us, myself, Jamie and I fall in the same trap. We, we figure out our schedule for the week. Here's the kids' schedule. Here's their sports schedule. Here's all the things we want to do with our friends. And here's our church responsibilities. And where can we in this schedule fit Jesus in? Versus the exact opposite, where we start with Jesus and say, Jesus, what would it look like for me to live fully for you, to follow you fully this week? Speak into my schedule. Now, you know what? The events that we do actually could look the same. Hello? Because sometimes people hear me and they're like, oh yeah, do you just want us to leave everything like Matthew and not have our kids in sports and not ever talk to... No, I'm not saying that. What if God redeemed that? And instead of just going to a baseball game, you began to share the gospel like a wild man, or you could just not do it wild, Right? <laughs> What if you just tried to have one conversation about Jesus at the baseball game and saw your kids' sporting events as opportunities for people that God has put around you? We're getting a little bit ahead, but opportunities for you. Maybe you're already in the things you're supposed to. You just need to follow Jesus into those things. You see the difference between fitting Jesus in and saying, Jesus, how do you want? And so here's the Here's the big key question. Each of these points has a key question. Here's the key question. What is Jesus calling you to leave so that you can follow him more fully? What is Jesus calling you to leave so that you can follow him more fully? I think it's going to come out a couple different ways. For, for Matthew, there was an immediate leaving. He left his security and his identity. He left his, his job. He left, and, and for some of you this morning, something like that needs to happen. 
And you're like, oh, brother, that's, that sounds awesome. I'll pray about that, which means you won't, right? Because I've used that phrase, right? It's the Christian way of saying, I'll think about obedience, maybe not, right? All, we're all guilty. I've, I've said that lots of times. And yet I wonder what it would look like for us to make immediate choices to follow Jesus this morning. And for some of us, we say, well, we don't function like that. Yeah, yeah well, I... I would say we all have experienced things in our life where stuff has. You think about the sickness that, that came into Tom Sunblad's life. Did that change his life immediately? Sure did. You think about when somebody dies. Does that change their, what happened with the, the family up in Cedar Falls? Did that change their life immediately? You think about, let's put it on, those were kind of downer ones, right? Let's think about the positive ones. When somebody has a baby, right? Does that change their life immediately? Hello, new parents. Come on. You're like, yeah, we just don't have enough time. And then you had a kid and you realized how much time you had, right? And like, um, and you never knew what sacrifice really was until you started trying to, and then you had more of them for some reason, right? And, and, uh, and your life all of a sudden changed in, in, in an instant. It was immediate. And so I would say that we do know what it means to change immediately. Just rarely do we apply that to following Jesus. So at the end, I want you, it's not going to, you know, um, we're not going to spring it on you, but are there things in your life that you need to Im immediately leave? Maybe you've been holding on to some, some bitterness with a family member or a coworker or a neighbor, and you need to let that thing go so that you can follow Jesus. That could happen today. Amen? And then there's, there's this, here's a $5 term for you. Uh, the, the word follow in the Greek is in, is in the present imperative. Impressive, huh? Thank you, thank you. Uh, is in the present imperative. And that's a fancy way of saying that following Jesus wasn't just a, an immediate thing. It was an ongoing thing. And so the following of Jesus, this flies right in the face of I pray a prayer, now I'm good. That kind of Christianity. You know what I'm talking about? But that Jesus actually calls us to continually follow him, to daily give up things, security, identity, and follow him. Now, here's what some of you are thinking. Yeah, I know. That's what I want to do. I'm just going to try harder, pull my bootstraps up. I'm an Iowan. This is, that's what I'm talking, sacrifice. And friends, it ain't going to work. It isn't going to, you're going you're gonna to be in the same place feeling like a failure because you didn't try harder. You didn't give up enough. This is where the gospel is the best news ever. Amen? Because the gospel wakes up this morning, like I did, and says, Lord, I can't do this. I don't know half these people. I don't know how you're going to speak in a, a, a one morning thing and anything that's going to be lasting. I can't do it. I don't even desire to, to meet with you right now, so come and change my heart. That's the gospel. And you know what he does? He says, Andy, I don't love you because of what you do or don't do. I don't love you because of what you're willing to sacrifice. I love you because of my son, because of the sacrifice that's already been made. He's rose from the grave. His, the spirit of God lives inside me. So God, come awaken in me the desires that, that help me to want to follow you. And guess what? He does it. I'll, I'll do this one real quick and then we'll move on. Um, there's this notion out there that says your heart needs to be in the right place before you obey. 
right? And I want to be careful because we can form, we can become really good at obeying the rules of Jesus, but our heart's not being there. So our hearts do need to be there, but, but it's a little bit of a chicken or the egg. And some people are like, well, I don't want to talk to people about Jesus because I just, I just don't feel like it's the right opportunity. Well, l- listen to this verse. It's John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, he, and here follows me, whoever has my commands and keeps them, he it is who loves me. He it is, what, what order did that come in? Follow or love first? Follow, right? Follow first. The love, that feeling, that joy comes later. Here's the illustration. Jamin, right, the 45-pound three-year-old, we call him Bubba, our son, right? Uh, if you miss the face, uh, uh, he poops his pants still. It's not fun, friends. Okay? We're almost out of diapers. Can't wait. But when he drops a load in his pants, I don't feel like changing his diaper. There's nothing in me that says, oh, I can't wait to just take care of that. Right? And yet I know that that's what must be done or my life and our house will stink. Amen? So I do that. And through the process of doing that, God changes my heart and changes my situation. And you know what happens afterwards? He doesn't have that. He's happier. I'm happier. Joy comes after the obedience. Amen? See how that works in our lives? The same is true for our lives, friends. Here's the rest of the verse, John 14, 21. Whoever has my commands and keeps them, in other words, follows me, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me through obedience, through following me, will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. When we obey, our experience of God's love for us increases. God's love for us doesn't increase, but our experience of that love does increase. And so the key question again is, what is Jesus calling you to leave that you would more, um, that you could, that you can follow him more fully? And here's a little secret, friends. You can look at Hebrews 12, 1 and 2 later on, because we've got about 12 minutes, we've got to land the plane. We'll get through the other two points, don't worry. Is that the greater the sacrifice, the greater the joy. The greater the sacrifice, the greater the joy. You think about your life, the times when you sacrifice the most, that's when you've experienced the most joy. It's a direct proportion. And I, I just think about, we met um, some of our friends in the farmer's market, didn't know they were going to be there tomorrow, yesterday, and, and here's a couple uh, that has two of their three children living in the unreached world, proclaiming the good news of Jesus to those who have never heard about Christ and, and, and rather than fighting that, fighting what God was calling, they stepped into what God had called their children to, and they've been supportive, and they're pros at Skype or when the internet's working, and, and they, they've even been to, to visit where their kids are, and, and they fully entered in, daily sacrificing, continuing. Do you think they want to be with their grandkids? Of course they do, right? But they have seen this is where God is moving, and they've stepped into it and embraced it. And you could see it on their faces as they talked about their children. It was awesome. Where there's great sacrifice, there is great joy. It's how God designed it. Jesus is the best example. Check out Hebrews 12. Here's the second one. Matthew joined a family with a mission. Matthew joined a family with a mission. 
two, here's the key questions. Who is your family? And then in parentheses, if you want to put community group behind that, same thing. Who is your family and what is your mission? Who is your family and what is your mission? And, and, and I hope that you wrestle with this one. Here's a, here's a pick of our family. And the reason I call this our family is because in Matthew chapter 12, Jesus was talking to a packed room and his mother and brothers come to the back of the room and, and, and the word gets up front, Jesus, your mom and your brothers are here, right? And, um, and, they, and they thought he'd say, make a way. And Jesus says, who is my mother and brothers? And he points to his disciples and it says, it is he who hears the word of God and does it. Right there. Thicker than blood. Other people that are following Jesus, Jesus redefines family. You see, what I'm, see where I'm getting at? That's good news for some of us who didn't grow up with families that know Jesus. That means that the people in this room actually are more family than your blood family. Hello. That's good news for a lot of us. See, we we weren't meant to do life alone. And so every year, this is the best thing Jamie and I do, this this group of folks right here. And this group of folks all said, hey, we're going to go to the nations. And so we said, great, come move by us, just like we asked Adam. And this group of people made sacrifices, moved from the suburbs, changed their jobs. Um, We we even, uh, from the very beginning, one of those guys up there, I won't tell you which one, but he and his wife didn't have enough money to break their lease and move into a new uh, apartment that was near our house. And so we send out the email and say, guys, we talked about being a community like the end of Acts 2, being a family together, this is what it means. Our, our friends need $1,500. We haven't met yet, so bring money the first night we meet. Welcome to the group, you know. And you know what happened? Over $1,500. We just get to go, here you go, Craig and Sarah, chapeau, right? What do you think that did for the group? right? We just landed $1,500 on somebody. We don't even know them yet. That's how the church is supposed to be. Amen? And we can feel it. When we go on short-term trips, we can feel in our hearts, this is how I was meant to live. Well, and, and, and for a long time, we didn't think it was possible to do it. And, 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 and by God's grace, it is. But it takes a, people, a group of people um, committed to each other, committed to the Lord. And then it's not just a community group. So if you're in a community group, that's a step in the right direction. You have a group of people, but that group of people needs a mission. And it's not just any mission. Jesus was pretty specific. Look back in Mark 1, 7, when he calls 17, when he calls the first disciples, right? He says, follow me and I will make you, and you, and I will make you fishers of men. I will make you fishers of men. And you even see it in, in the passage with Matthew, right? Why did Jesus say he's here? He says, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick, I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners. What's Jesus doing with the sick and the sinners? He's saving them. He's rescuing them. And there's no asterisk by that that says that's just for people that are going to the nations or just for people that are going on church staff. That's for us. If you follow Jesus this morning, then that is for you. That's your mission. I don't know what the stat is in Iowa City, but I would guess it's similar. In Austin, the stat is that 73% of people that live in our city, that's over a million folks, will never darken will never enter into a church building so how are we going to reach them friends 
I'll tell you how, friends. I'm looking at the answer that God has. You don't have to reach the city. Just reach the groups of people that he's put around you. Amen? Your neighborhood, that's, you should, be, you should feel a sense of, of eternal responsibility for not seeing them come to know Jesus, but at least making an opportunity. Amen? It's God's job to save them. Amen? Don't let that pressure be on you. But you need to make the opportunity known. At your workplace, same thing. At your mom's group, if you frequent Chick-fil-A, that Chick-fil-A becomes your spiritual responsibility. Amen? I mean, dude, I mean, kids make it so easy. If you don't have kids, get a dog. Right? I mean, people are pushing dogs in strollers with clothes on here. For crying out loud. Get a dog, buy some cutesy little shorts, and you'll have lots of friends. And then you just tell them about Jesus. Fish for men. You guys have, have heard it said before. Um, it's one of the, the biggest ones that, that we base our stuff on. Mark 3.14, Jesus chose 12 disciples or 12 apostles that they might be with him and then send them out to preach. I think there's two big reasons that most people don't share their faith. That they, they don't fish for men. They don't have a group of people to do it with that they have committed with and nobody's shown them how. They don't have a group to do it with. They don't have a family to do it with. And they don't know how. So here's what I would say for every single one of you. It doesn't matter if you're 70 or 17. You find somebody that knows how to share their faith and say, can I do it with you? If you're like, I don't know where I'd start, talk to Scott and Emily in the college department, right, in 24-7. They're doing that with a group of students right now. You know what they're doing? They're spending week after week after week modeling what it looks like to start conversations or to enter into spheres of influence those college students already have. It's not just for the young people, amen? If you're golfing or you're part of a club or you dance on the weekends with gray hair, your responsibility is to fish for men. If you're not doing it, you're not being obedient. Friends, there is, this is not about a guilt thing, amen? Do, do you want to know what brought Jamie and I more joy this year than anything else? We've been praying for years that God would somehow, we'd see a group of people say yes to Jesus because we see it in the book of Acts. We see it when we hear about movements happening around the world. And we've been praying up for it for years. And this year, Jamie and I, not, we didn't get to experience it directly, but two gals that Jamie had shown how to do it, they, she just brought them with her. She's empowering moms to see that they have an actual role. This isn't the husband's deal, and they just get to follow them to the nations. This is moms. The moms in our group led more people to Christ than anybody else. Amen? That's what I'm saying. Man, if you're a mom, this, it's not just your job to wipe little rears and make sure they are at their things on time. You're supposed to make disciples. And if you don't know how to do that, then find some moms to do. Talk to Emily Gaskill. Say, Emily, I know I should have this figured out. I'm 47, but I don't. So, or talk to Ben and Joyce Long. They've been doing it for their whole stinking lives. They've seen more people come to Christ than probably anybody in this church. You don't know how to do it? Go talk to them. They would love to, to get you plugged into. The Sudanese are coming to this church in like two, two weeks to celebrate Ramadan. They need people to help love them. Who could do that? You could. 
There are so many opportunities, friends, for you to get involved in this game. None of your excuses will last before the king. And this is about your joy. And so these four Taiwanese women study the Bible with two of the moms in our group. And you know what happens? They all said yes to Jesus at the same time. It's the most glorious thing. I've been praying for it for years. But it's because those wives got some other wives around them and said, this is what we're going to commit to. We're going to find somebody, my wife, that knows how to do this, and, and they're going to, we're going to learn together, and then she's going to send us out to do it. And they did. The last one is, um, the last one is Jesus called groups of people to follow Jesus. J- Matthew called groups of people to follow Jesus. I basically just gave you the illustration, right? Got a little excited and ahead of myself. He calls us, he calls us to call other groups of people. And really, you think about fishing. You think about Matthew's story. Matthew comes to Christ, and the first thing he does is posts it on Facebook and says, come to my house tonight. We're going to have a party, and you're going to meet the man that changed my life. Jesus never went after individuals. The idea of fishing by yourself with a pole on the end of a dock with a sunset and a verse underneath you, like, that didn't exist for Jesus. His idea of fishing was groups of people throwing out nets and groups of people pulling them in. The individual going fishing doesn't compute because you can't pull in a lot of fish if you're by yourself. You need other people. You need a family on a mission to do it with. Amen? And so Jesus, that's what Jesus called Matthew to. And that's what Jesus calls us to. So, so don't ask God for one in your neighborhood or in your workplace or at your Chick-fil-A. Ask God for a whole bunch of them. That's what he wants. Get, I know, it's, it's scary. It's okay. Get somebody beside you. Moms, if you're scared about going to Chick-fil-A by yourself, get another mom beside you and begin to pray, God, give us courage. We're scared, but this week we want to share Jesus. God wants to use you. He is inviting you this morning. He's inviting you this morning to be a part of his work. And friends, there's nothing better than to be a part of his work. That's what God called Matthew to, and that's what he wants us to be a part of. And so um, uh, I I think I'm I'm just supposed to be done, and we'll pray, and the worship guys will come up here. Um, And so let's just take a couple minutes um, right now whether you want to look at those key questions, or you just want to ask the Lord, God, what do you, how do you want me to follow you? How do you want me to follow you? God, we just confess that for a lot of us, um, it's just become routine, going to church, going to community group, um, even reading our Bibles. It's become routine, and we confess that we want something different. We want more of your presence in our life. We want more of of your joy, of things that are going to last for eternity in our lives. And we don't know how to get there. And so would you come and put people around us um, that are asking those same questions? Help us to commit together, God. I, I pray that rather than being a summer of of, of just fun and cruising through and getting to the fall. Uh, this would be a summer where we um, begin to ask again and again, God, what does it look like for us to follow you? Give us people, give us faith 
to step into all of our fears and concerns. We need your help, God. We need your help. Thanks that you promised to be with us, that you told us to go, you gave us this mission, and then you gave us your spirit to complete this mission. We thank you and we praise you. And the church agreed and said, amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Parkview Church in Iowa City, Iowa. Parkview's mission is to love God, love others, and serve the world. If you live in the Iowa City area, we invite you to join us in person for services every weekend. You can get service times and directions, download messages, and get news and information about Parkview Church by visiting www.parkviewchurch.org. You can also contact us by phone at 319-354-5580 or write to us at Parkview Church, 15 Foster Road, Iowa City, Iowa, 52245.